Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, how the 2020 presidential race could become a referendum on global trade and life for HBO after Game of Thrones. But first, the case to decide crypto. So yesterday, U.S. securities regulators filed suit against Kik, a Canadian chat app company that also is the creator of a digital token called Kin. So Kik is the company, Kin is the token. And I'm being very careful here in calling it a digital token instead of a cryptocurrency because the definition of currency is very much what's at issue here. So Kik sold around $100 million worth of Kin a couple years ago via what's called an initial coin offering, kind of like an IPO, but buyers get these tokens instead of stock. Now, as far as Kik's concerned, it didn't need to register this sale with security regulators because it believed Kin wasn't a security. Instead, it calls it a currency because its primary purpose is to buy and sell digital goods within the Kik ecosystem. And currencies, by definition, aren't securities. The SEC, though, disagrees. Now, the two sides have been going back and forth for months, but it became clear last week that negotiations weren't going too well, with Kik announcing a crowdfunding campaign for pending legal costs. And then came yesterday's SEC enforcement action with a lawsuit that my colleague Kia Kokliacheva called scathing. Why it matters is this case could determine whether digital tokens are currencies or securities, not just for Kik, but for others. And that is something on which there has been widespread disagreement, both within the crypto industry and within the government. No matter which way the case plays out, it could result in common ground rules that help the crypto industry mature and possibly unlock the technological marvels that it claims to possess. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Katie Hahn, best known in crypto land as the former Department of Justice prosecutor who led investigations into the Mt. Gox hack and Silk Road corruption. But first, this. There is more news out there than ever before, but these days, it's harder than ever to find it and to know what to trust. Axios AM takes the effort out of getting smart by synthesizing the 10 stories that will drive the day and telling you why they matter. Subscribe at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. We're joined now by Katie Hahn, a former federal prosecutor who now invests in crypto as a general partner with Silicon Valley venture capital firm Andreessen Horwitz. So, Katie, you wrote last week about Kik seeming to make a compelling case prior to the SEC actually filing its complaint. Now that you've read the SEC side of it, who do you think has the better initial argument? Well, I think they both make some great arguments, and that's one of the things I noted when I wrote about this is often in a legal case, you read one side's brief and think they have a compelling argument, and then you read the other sides and think, oh, wait, no, actually, their side is compelling. And I think what you have here is you have a lot of facts on both sides. And by the way, both sides do a great job at painting atmospherics. The SEC's brief yesterday, 50 pages of, of atmospherics that are, I think, problematic for Kick. Kick also has, for its part, a lot of facts that are problematic for the SEC. So the short answer is, I don't know who has the winning arguments right now, because we're going to see a lot more come out, I suspect, in the course of this litigation. What's the most problematic fact you think the SEC laid out for Kick? One of the things that I thought was interesting that the SEC did a good job of is just the atmospherics of the whole thing. They did a good job painting this common enterprise between the purchasers of the Kick token, KIN, on the one hand, and then of Kick itself. And they did a good job showing all of the commitments that Kick actually made to purchasers about Kick's continued involvement in the project. 
frankly, some of those things I wasn't aware of after I read Kick's Wells submission. You talked about if this goes to a jury trial. You're in the crypto space now. You invest in crypto companies. You guys acquired digital tokens. No matter how this ends up, is it important from your perspective that this does get decided by a court and not out of court in a settlement? I think it's very beneficial to have the courts weigh in. I mean, what you have here is you have a space facing a lot of regulatory concerns. And these entrepreneurs are really eager to get more clarity, not only from regulators, but also from courts. So they know the rules of the road. This uncertainty that's been kind of hanging over the space, I think is problematic because there's so much great innovation happening. And I personally believe there could even be more in the United States, for example, if some rules of the road were cleared up. But this case really gives us a glimpse into how the SEC views this Howey test as applied to crypto. What is the Howey test? Basically, a Supreme Court case from the 1940s, Dan, that set out a test for determining whether something's a security or not. Now, of course, courts have revisited this over the years, but really no court yet has applied. I mean, that's not true. There was one court in San Diego that applied the Howey test to crypto and a few others. But on facts like these, where there was some evidence of utility, and admittedly, the SEC's complaint kind of tries to blow that away and does a pretty good job of it. But where there was some utility, it wasn't totally clear that everyone who bought tokens was doing so for an investment purpose rather than a use purpose. This will be a really bellwether case for a court to consider. I do want to say that the fact that the SEC chose New York to file this in is really important and telling. What's the difference between New York or if they had filed it in San Francisco? Big difference. For example, in New York, under that Howey test, one of the factors is common enterprise. And the law, the federal law, is actually different in New York on common enterprise than it is in California, for example. So I don't want to get into legalese here, but there's a different standard. In California, the vertical standard applies. And in New York, the horizontal standard applies. And without getting into, again, legal arguments, just understand that the horizontal standard is much easier for the government to satisfy. It's a much more forgiving standard. So the fact that they filed this in New York, the Southern District of New York, I think for the SEC, they're going to have an easier time under the existing law in New York proving common enterprise. And certainly a lot of the facts they adduced in their complaint suggest that they have evidence of a common enterprise. Let's go a little bigger picture here, which is this fundamental question of currency versus security. Kick arguing it's currency, SEC arguing it's a security. Why does that actually matter for these companies? And not just for Kick, but for lots of other crypto companies that are issuing digital tokens. Why does it matter if it's considered a security or a currency? Well, because it determines what regulatory regime you're going to have to comply with, Dan. That's at the highest level. So if it's a security, you're talking about complying with SEC rules and regulations. And of course, one of the most important rules and regulations is you can't sell to the public. You can't sell to unaccredited investors unless you have well-delineated exemption that applies to you or unless you've gone through the SEC's process of filing a registration statement. Which costs money and lawyers. And time. When you talk to particularly other startups, how closely do you get a sense that they're watching this particular case, even though, granted, the developments are coming very fast? Sure. I think the crypto entrepreneurs are watching this case incredibly closely. In fact, I would say that right now in the U.S., this is the most important case in the court system for the crypto space. In terms of who wins, I mean, I think you asked me that down at the outset. The short answer is obviously, I don't know. Let me ask it a different way. If the SEC and Kick both came to you and said, Katie, we really need a lawyer. And for some reason you were interested in being a, you know, a full-time lawyer again, the money was the same, et cetera. Which one would you take just based on the one you think you'd have the best chance of winning? 
Well, I'm not going to answer that question, Dan, in a different rephrased way. <laughs> that, that's my old trick. But I will tell you a couple interesting things to look at that, that hopefully will provide some insight to your listeners on the question you just posed. And that is, to be honest, I don't think this is the best case the SEC could have brought in the space for a bellwether case. But I do think that they can win under this preponderance standard. And that just means it's more likely than not that the SEC's claims are true. On the other hand, I think there were so many other cases the SEC could have brought with facts, frankly, that were a lot worse than kicks facts. But I do think the SEC can win this case based on the law and particularly based on the law in New York and in the Second Circuit, which is the law that will govern. Katie Hahn, thank you so much for joining us. My final two right after this. Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter faster on the most important topics. In our unique Smart Brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the ProRata podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is the 2020 presidential race, which could shape up into a political trade war debate with globalism on one side and protectionism on the other. That's the reporting of Axios's Jonathan Swan, who this morning writes that President Trump's campaign is particularly concerned about Democratic frontrunner Joe Biden, with internal polls showing the former Veep topping Trump in key Rust Belt states. So Team Trump's solution? argue that Biden's global trading tendencies run counter to American workers and instead highlight the current administration's tariff regime and trade fights with countries like China and Mexico. Swan writes that this line of attack will emerge when Biden's Democratic rivals come at him on trade from the left, thus trying to box him in on things like competing with China and defending past deals like NAFTA and the TPP. Swan writes, quote, this could be months away, but it's already a hot topic in Trump world. And finally, last month we noted concerns about what would happen to HBO subscriber numbers once Game of Thrones went off the air. We still don't have specific figures, but there already is a bright spot for the premium cabler. And that's Chernobyl, the five-part miniseries that wrapped up this past Tuesday night. Now, the ratings themselves weren't anything near Game of Thrones levels, but the harrowing series did get the highest viewer approval rating ever, according to IMBD. And for HBO, that could translate into enough water cooler buzz to keep some teetering subscribers on board. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producer, Tim Shovers, have a great National Moonshine Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.